welcome to episode 70 of Breakout Culture. I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I'm the Associate Editor at Country and Town House Magazine. And I'm Ed Vasey, the Culture Editor of Country <laughs> and Town House Magazine. So tonight, if you're listening to this hot off the press, it's Oscar night. If you're listening to it afterwards, it was Oscar night. It's normally about one o'clock in the morning for us, of course, and it's obviously a great day to talk about movies. There are lots of British hopefuls in the running, or indeed, who may have won by the time you're listening to this podcast. Benedict Cumberbatch, Judy Dench, Olivia Colman, all leading the charge. BAFTAs, our own equivalent of the Oscars, were held just two weeks ago. Unfortunately, they made everyone test before they went, and I did a test and discovered I had COVID, so that was incredibly irritating. But my daughter did get to go, and she loved it. Anyway, today we're going to talk about these movies with BAFTA committee member Anna Higgs, who's also Head of Entertainment Partnership for Northern Europe at Facebook, and also has a background in bringing emerging and established filmmakers together and has been instrumental in helping to embed the British film industry's diversity principles into the film awards. She'll obviously have seen all the BAFTA entries and probably have watched most of the Oscar ones today. So we're delighted Anna's here today so we can pick her brains about the very best movies to watch. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Very pleased to be here and talk about one of my favourite subjects. Oh, well, good morning. We're absolutely delighted to have you on. Now, there's so much to talk about, so let's kick off by talking about the BAFTA winners. And let's start with The Power of the Dog, which didn't earn Benedict Cumberbatch the Best Actor Award, but did win Best Director and Best Film. Were you surprised by this? And actually, can you tell our listeners quickly about how the voting works? So, um, I what I was surprised by and I really enjoyed was the spread of award winners at the awards. So they were really spread out right across lots and lots of contenders. There wasn't one big film that swept the board. And I think that's a real testament to the diversity and the excitement of how much there is out there for us all to see. Um, how the voting works varies on the category, but broadly in the first, there are three rounds. And in the first round, um, the chapters vote. So if you are a director, you vote on directing. If you're a cinematographer, you vote in your area of expertise, act etc and so on and also all of our film voting members can opt in to specialist chapters which are film not in the English language animated feature film and documentary and then in the second round we have a set of juries depending upon the categories and then in the the third round most of the categories open up to the whole of the membership and the BAFTA members are all experts in their field and like this year we get a really exciting range of outcomes. So what did you think of uh, Power of the Dog? I really loved Power of the Dog. It's great to see Jane Campion coming back to feature filmmaking after she has been doing some really interesting work in drama and TV. And it's a great film that shows you the kind of global nature of feature filmmaking because it was produced by a British-Australian company uh, using all sorts of American, British, European talent um, shooting in loads of locations around the world. And I think it's a really interesting film because you're bringing the female perspective to a Western which is traditionally and kind of historically a very male-dominated genre. I particularly loved um, Ari Wegner's work on it, who is the cinematographer of the film. She's, unfortunately, I will say, because it's surprising it's taken this long, but the first female nominee in the cinematography category for BAFTAs. Um, But it's great to see her work recognised there, um, although she didn't win. I think what's wonderful in her work in the film is she brings a new eye and a new way of looking at a genre that, you know, is a very established visual language so to to refresh that world and to bring a really epic and beautiful and emotionally touching eye and lens to that is really extraordinary i liked it a lot who's that american actor who got pissed off by it said it wasn't a proper western (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, um, I can't remember. Oh, yes, Sam yes, somebody. Uh, yes, I mean, I think, like, I, the idea that somebody from the, the Antipodes doesn't understand kind of conquering of, of new territories, I think is a kind of interesting question. But, you know, everyone has Jane an opinion. Campion put him down very well. Yes, was, she he, did. He wasn't a cowboy. But one of the things I love about film is that it's a very subjective medium and we all have different takes on different films. So um, I quite like the fact that people are... I'd rather have people discuss and debate a film than everyone kind of have no reaction to it whatsoever. So can we talk about uh, Ken now? Um, Kenneth Branagh, of course, and wonderful Belfast. Oh, Richard. that's who Ken was in your notes. Okay. <laughs> are, you on first name, are you on first name terms? <laughs> Charlotte's mate, Ken. My mate, Ken. Well, he's such a national treasure, isn't he? And, you know, it's great that he got Outstanding British Film. I was really pleased to see Belfast win Outstanding Film. I think all the contenders were really exciting. And the range of films in that category are a real testament to how healthy and interesting the British film industry specifically is at the moment. And Belfast, I have a soft spot for Belfast because all of my mum's family are from Northern Ireland. So kind of seeing a world that I've heard loads of stories about and that I used to spend half-term holidays in parts of um, Belfast and Antrim was uh, it kind of definitely hit my personal soft spot and a bit of nostalgia on that front and it's lovely to see that world through again through a different lens through the eyes of a child and thinking about what constitutes home and what are the choices that we make for a better future for our family and I think even though it's a look back at his own childhood that's an ever more resonant issue right now so I love when you can embrace something that's really entertaining and beautiful has wonderful performances um, with Jamie Dornan and Catriona Balfe um, and Mar and the uh, Kieran Hines and Judy Dench. You know the cast is extraordinary, and it's Ken Branagh really doing what he does really wonderfully. Is kind of going from the big scale of those Marvel movies he makes, like Thor, down to something really gorgeous and and quite contained and quite a chamber piece. And you're right, it's unbelievably relevant at the moment. The whole thing of you know if your family's in danger in in a war type situation, do you leave or do you stay? It's, it's I mean it's just I mean he couldn't have known that when he made it, and it's just suddenly incredibly relevant and interesting that it's up for two Oscars, isn't it? Best director and best movie. So yes. high hopes I for... went to see it in the cinema and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I went on my own just to see it because it was so good. Because you couldn't oh, I love going it, to the cinema on my own. You couldn't get it you couldn't get it streaming. I went to the Chiswick Cinema. Have you ever been that's brilliant? Oh fantastic. Um, but uh it was amazing and uh, I loved it too. And it's filmed in black and white of course. Yes. And Except is, the movies uh, are all in colour, which is very interesting. And there's a wonderful scene where G in the colour movie, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I think they're watching, and Judy Dench is in the audience and the colour of the movie is the only... It's reflected in her glasses. Yeah. I thought well, that was... I mean it's gorgeous. For me, that's Ken's love letter to... It's his origin story. Yes. If you think about it as a superhero story, you see what Ken has gone on to do. <laughs> that's It's the, the colour that he's brought into his life, the connection that is made. It really reminded me of going to see E.T. when I was four and having that same kind of eureka light bulb colour dripping into your world moment and really understanding, right, OK, this is a place that I want to be in, a place that I want to spend more time. That that sequence is, is really, really beautiful. Now, tell us about Coda. Code is another one I watched, which I loved as well. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I tell you, uh, uh, obviously, firstly, it's a movie where the protagonists are all deaf, uh, as it were. I also hadn't realised that the main, the star, who, who is the singer, the daughter, who's not deaf, uh, is actually... A British actress, I think. Yes. So CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults. And the oh, story is... 
Yeah, it's a it's a phrase that's used particularly, I think, in the states around the the kind of challenges and the and the differences of having a profoundly deaf family, but sometimes one child might be fully hearing, and that's the character that Amelia Jones plays, who trivia fact is Alla Jones's daughter. So that's the singing heritage continues, and it's a really beautiful film. It did uh, it premiered at Sundance and was picked up by Apple for their streaming service. So it's really interesting to see Apple kind of really hit the stride in terms of what they're doing in the film space. And it's a gorgeous film. Basically, there's the story centers around that this young girl who loves music and the challenge of, of having to, whether she stays with her family because she supports their fishing business by being the one that can hear or whether she follows her dreams. And so it's got a very kind of classical Hollywood narrative, but is really wonderful for centering a disabled experience and for a deaf family's experience. So there's American Sign Language is used throughout. Amelia Jones had to learn it for the film. And it's a really, really beautiful touching story of kind of self-discovery and of understanding. What's Amelia Jones been in? She's quite a new talent actually and it's really interesting to see her developing this. I think obviously she's she's garnered several nominations, Coda as, as a whole. There was a big surprise that it won the Best Film Award at the Producers Guild Awards uh, this week. So that is often a, a suggester of who's contending for Best Film at the Oscars and it's very, very interesting to see that sort of get ahead of the game. Coda won two awards at the BAFTAs um, supporting actor for Troy Kotsor who played the family, uh, the father of the family, and also adapted screenplay for the direct writer director Sean Hedder. It's based on a on a novel, and I'm. It, we also had Amelia do a performance at the um, awards show, which yes, was quite something. Yeah, as a young talent to have to to follow yeah. on stage Dame Shirley Bassey doing Diamonds Are Forever, and she did beautifully. Don't rub it in. <laughs> but she 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 definitely kind of held her own and we had um it was a really gorgeous moment we had an ASL and a BSL interpreter on stage with her she sang the Joni Mitchell song both sides now on stage for the audience and it was a really really wonderful moment for the audience at home as well Ed you can watch it on um, iPlayer it's not the same it's not the same <laughs> but um and also the the mother who is deaf the actress yes. is very very well known yeah, she's, she's had a very successful acting career despite being, well, it sounds terrible to say that despite being profoundly deaf, but it is definitely something that would have held somebody back back in the day. Well, that's the thing I think is what we're trying to do now is understand that the, we, as an inclusive industry, you're you're making things better and your representation is super, super important. And the more that people can see themselves on screen and see themselves reflected in the media and the world around them, the better and more healthy that our industries and our audiences can be. Can we talk about Tick, Tick, Boom now? Why has Lin-Manuel Miranda's film been snubbed by BAFTA but is up for... Oh, interesting bit of controversy. Excellent. So that's a good question. I would challenge the the <laughs> I, the the word snubbed. So I'm fascinated by this idea that there are particular people who are snubbed. So you know, some, I think last year there was a lot of critical reaction to, well, why isn't this person nominated? Gary Oldman, I think it may have been. It's a snub for Gary Oldman. And I think one of the things that we did in the BAFTA Awards Review was look at a really interesting thing that the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative that worked with the Gina Davis Institute in the States challenged us on is around social dominance theory. So that because an actor is a certain stature, they're automatically awards worthy. Why are they automatically better than another film or another performance? And I think that's a really interesting question to ask ourselves as we as we are academicians as we get to vote for what we think is excellent so I would challenge snubbed 
um, why it didn't get as many uh, BAFTA nominations as it has on over on stateside, I think is a really good question. I think some genres historically tend to be less considered in that same vein as awards worthy, things like horror, things like musicals, etc. Um, but again, I would challenge that. I've loved seeing this year in our long lists in particular, much more genre filmmaking make it through into the long lists. And I think that's starting to show a changing attitude that it doesn't have to be a very heavy historical drama just to be of, of excellent quality and, and of value um, because I think often genre filmmaking is actually making a harder and edgier social commentary than your your classical dramatic storytelling so it's a fascinating one I'm a big musicals nerd so I really enjoyed Tick Tick Boom and then I had to start listening to the Rent soundtrack on hard repeat straight after watching it <laughs> and Andrew Garfield gives a wonderful performance mm, as Jonathan brilliant. Larson yeah. Um, so I'm really excited for it in its stateside sort of opportunities in its nominations. But it's, you know, it's early on for Lin-Manuel Miranda is such a huge name in entertainment. You know, he wrote all of the music for Disney's Encanto, which is doing very well in the nominations too. Uh, but actually, Tick, Tick, Boom is his first directing feature. He wrote In the Heights, um, but I believe someone else directed it. He's made one video, I think, called Clayton's Friends, if IMDb tells me um, the truth, which I, I have to say I don't know. But he's done Story by in Canto he's obviously the composer of Hamilton and all sorts of extraordinary things but I think as a starter out of the gates as a first feature for him Tick Tick Boom is really exciting I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next can we talk about uh, Will Smith now and can, I haven't seen King Richard so can you can have you seen it Ed I have I loved it I thought it was really good. I have to say, personally, just entirely subjectively, when I first heard the pitch, I was like, hang on, we're telling the Venus sisters story through the eyes of their father. OK, because um, it's kind of an interesting lens to choose. But when I watched the film, I think Ronaldo Marcus Green, who's the director, and Zach Balin, who's the writer, have done an extraordinary job. But it's not a hagiography of, of Richard Williams. It's, you know, it shows him at his best and at his worst, the drive that he had for his daughters and the performances in the film. Anjanou Ellis, in particular, as his wife and the girls that play um, Venus and Serena are just extraordinary. And, you know, to have an ambition that your daughters are going to become the world's greatest tennis players. The odds against that are extraordinary. And he actually does it. It's kind of, there's a moment amazing. in... Yeah, there's a moment story. in the film when a couple of agents keep telling him it's incredible and he really challenges them of going, why is it incredible? Because there's a subtext to them saying, you know, the word incredible instead of phenomenal or extraordinary yeah. and brilliant. Um, and so he decides not to work with those agents. And again, you know the ending because we know that Venus and Serena are, are the greatest athletes of all time, let alone the greatest female athletes of all time. And so seeing, being taken along and holding your breath when they're trying out for a tennis camp etc is 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 a brilliant spell so i'd really recommend going to see that can we talk about another british film now that we've slightly turned our backs on a little bit compared with the oscars which is the lost daughter which got more oscar nominations uh, particularly for olivia coleman than baftas why do you think that was the lost daughter i absolutely loved it me spoke too. to me as a as a working parent um a huge amount and i think you know it's a really uh, beautiful film and for a first feature film from maggie gyllenhaal the fact that again it's got a huge ambition to it, it has a genre sort of thriller element it's got an incredible cast it's very very 
very layered and intense. It's flashing backwards and forwards between two time periods, uh, two different actresses playing the, the same character. So it's, it's asking a lot of the audience, but it weaves an incredible spell. It's based on an Ella Ferranti book, Eleanor Ferranti book, sorry, and does an incredible job of, of quite a literary uh, story. And I think uh, Jesse Buckley was nominated for that, for Lost Daughter, and also Maggie was nominated for Adapted Screenplay. It was a shame it didn't get more at the BAFTAs, but I think Olivia is nominated stateside, and I think, you know, she's obviously someone that has, has Oscar form and is one of our incredible national treasures. So I'm excited to see it do more. But again, that's a Netflix film. So that's something that is going to be seen for what would potentially normally be quite an independent small movie. It will it will hopefully be seen by a much wider audience. Have you seen it, Ed? Well, it's funny you should say that, Sean. I started watching it and then I sort of stopped and I haven't had the will to go back. Yeah, I think it's, but, it's, it's, it's quite a woman's I should, film. I should probably persevere. Well, I'm very much in touch with my feminine side, Charlotte, so... <laughs> I would heartily recommend it, Ed. It's a really, once you kind of get used to the rhythm of it, it's a really extraordinary film. It's and interesting, it has... this uh, talk about rhythm, because I do find, I mean, I don't mind it. I, I just, it is interesting that... I think in terms of when we look back at this period of filmmaking, whether it's COVID, whether it's whatever, there are a lot of slow films. I don't mind them, but they're subtle and slow. Power of the Dog is a slow film, isn't it? It's not yeah, well, and Belfast dramatic. to an extent. Belfast is, is yeah, a slow yeah. film. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have a kind of dynamic plot line that's taking you to a dramatic uh, conclusion and some of them to a certain extent just kind of peter out and, and I don't say that as a, as a pejorative term I wonder whether there is a kind of zeitgeist at the moment it is really interesting you point that out but it may be it may be a reflection um, of the things that we are gravitating towards so if, if the films that are not as big and bold and showy as others are getting more attention this year I think there's always that mix of stuff in the market and in the in the world but I think it's interesting to see what is being kind of recognised and spending time with. Maybe I've, after the last two years, we've been we're a bit more comfortable with being reflective and want to spend a bit more time with with slower and, and more subtly engaging films because the world outside is kind of uncertain and, and changing and fast paced editing as as we can take. And um, there's two there's there's two more films that I want to ask you about which have been nominated for Oscars and not here. One is Denzel Washington being Macbeth and the other is Being the Ricardos. So Being the Ricardos is an Aaron Sorkin movie uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin um, the one of the kind of kings of our of kind of high-end TV renaissance and it's the story of Lucy and Desi so I love Lucy and the kind of behind the scenes of their their marriage in real life and kind of how the show was made and particularly I think looking at Lucy as a sort of very powerful working woman star and the dynamics of their relationship Nicole Kidman plays Lucy and Javier Bardem plays um, Desi Arnaz and it's a really incredible look. A lot of the background story I didn't know. It sort of centres on, it's around the kind of McCarthyite era and it centres on a question of whether or not Lucy was a communist. There's kind of a sort of one week that could change their lives because she's accused of having been a communist during the kind of witch hunt 
at that at that time. And sorry, what was the other film you asked about, Charlotte? Uh, the other film, uh, Macbeth. Denzel Macbeth. Washington being Macbeth. Yes. Yes. So I was really sad not to see Denzel Washington make the shortlist and the 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 final kind of nominees list. I think him and Francis McDormand is a Joel Cohen movie. Um, again, another Apple film. Um, I think it's really really extraordinary performance. I saw it at London Film Festival on the huge screen at the South Bank um, Centre in Broth in. Queen Elizabeth Hall and was just blown away by it. The other film I haven't seen, which I'd love you to tell us about, is the one Joanna Scanlon won for, and she did such a lovely acceptance speech. Just oh <laughs> yes, that's another one I really want to watch. Yeah, yeah, Joanna Scanlon is extraordinary. She's another one of our national treasures. So that film is called After Love. It's directed and written by Aleem Khan. It's a first feature. So the number of nominations Gosh. that film got was really brilliant and really, really exciting to see. Again, a new talent kind of really breaking through and making an impact. And it centres on, it's kind of somewhat inspired by Aleem's own life, actually. Um, and it centres on a British woman who has converted to Islam for her husband. Um, they've been married for decades. Uh, he suddenly dies and she discovers that he has another family in France. He's a he's a ferry um, captain. And so it's about her journey of kind of understanding her life was different than she thought it was. And, Actually, I what, guess if, and you, kind of... if you were a ferry captain, it makes sense, doesn't it? I, but you're in two towns, Ed. So if, you, if you're thinking of a career change, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he gets away with it in the film until <laughs> until he unexpectedly dies um but it's very very beautiful so joanna's performance is is the absolute center of the whole film and it's really interesting to see her because obviously kind of like olivia coleman she's an actress that is more known for comedy she's in thick of it um and all sorts of extraordinary stuff and she did a film actually a few years ago called pincushion directed by deborah haywood where i think that was the first film a bit like tyrannosaur was for olivia coleman it was the first film where people really really understood her dramatic chops and actually most comedy creators will tell you that comedy is so much harder in terms of timing and acting and getting it really right that that it's always a surprise to comedy performers who go yeah I can do all of this but she is really extraordinary in the film so I'm so glad um there was a very funny moment at the ceremony that you can just gather on the on the telecast that she was pretty composed she did an amazing acceptance speech but as she went off stage with Daniel Kaluuya she actually got out into the hallway and screamed but I love that kind of expression of, of excitement because it really is so wonderful to see an actor at her stage of career really really um, delivering new and exciting things and what's really interesting is of the 47 awards recipients at the BAFTAs 25 of them are first time BAFTA winners and I think again that's showing you and all of the winners in the four performing categories were first time nominees so Will Smith, Troy Kotzer, Joanna Scanlon and Ariana DeBose. People are watching a wider diversity of films and seeing smaller things as well as the big juggernaut movies and so excellence is really being rewarded wherever it's found. And let's just talk about Lashana Lynch for a minute because she gave a yeah. wonderful acceptance speech didn't she? Tell us about her. Lashana is amazing so Lashana is uh, she's probably now most famously known for being 007 which caused some controversy when it was announced but if you've seen No Time to Die you 
understand she's given the number. She's not necessarily the new James Bond, but when Bond retires, she is given the number 007. And she's phenomenal in that film, sort of standing up to and then alongside uh, Daniel Craig. But she's been an actress that's doing extraordinary things. She's kind of come up through TV, done a lot of the sort of usual kind of slogging away in, in drama and all sorts of stuff and is really, really, I think, a talent to watch in terms of what she's got coming down the pipe. She gave a wonderful acceptance speech that I think was very important and very resonant for a lot of the talent in the room. And the Rising Star Award, I think, is really important because it's our award that's presented in partnership with the BAFTA sponsors EE for the Film Awards. And it's the only award as such that's voted for by the public. We're most excited in our house because she's playing Miss Honey in the in the reboot of Matilda. And Matilda in our house is a, is a sacred text and a, a film that we love. So we're kind of excited to see what she does in that role. Fantastic. And and finally, can we just talk about West Side Story? Again, Ariana DeBose is such a kind of amazing talent and such a kind of the the life that she's bringing on screen in that film. And again, that's another reboot. You know, Steven Spielberg taking on West Side Story is quite something. And, you know, the film for me shows Spielberg's mastery with the camera and storytelling, some of the moves and the choreography and the, the stuff that you see, how the cam there's an amazing sequence when they go to the kind of the to dance in the gym and just the, the as a former producer the logistics involved in that shot alone makes me go into a cold sweat <laughs> so the sort of the mastery that he's bringing to something that's obviously so beloved and that he does treat I think very um with great respect but also puts his own stamp on it I think that the last film I just would quite like to talk about is Dune which I have to admit, I don't like those kind of films because I just never can understand what on earth is going on. But apparently, very deservedly, it won all kinds of big, you know, it won special effects and sound and all kinds of technical awards because it's meant to be absolutely astonishing just to look at it. Yeah, so Denny Villeneuve, who's the director of Dune, is, is kind of has a track record of really huge kind of cinematic with a capital C pieces of work. And Dune, the original Dune, has kind of a troubled history of having to swap directors and, and being, you know, critically very divisive in terms of who liked it, who didn't. So when he announced he was taking on Dune, everyone was kind of like, wow, it's a beloved sort of sci-fi universe, but something that hasn't translated well to film. And so seeing him take it on and kind of make take form out of that and and yeah bring the the technical crafts and real artistry of vfx and again that's an incredible cast when you look at the names in the film i thought it was really spectacular i think the the areas that it was recognized in were the ones that sort of stood out for those communities it won five awards so it was overall the biggest winner of of a single film um winning cinematography score production design sound and special visual effects i'm really excited as well though about some of the stuff that was in Outstanding Debut because again as we talked about with After Love that was Aleem Khan was nominated in director as well as Outstanding Debut because it was his first film uh, but we had the winner of that film was The Harder They Fall which is a really ambitious, massive African-American Western, essentially. It has Idris Elba, all kinds of incredible people in it. And um, an amazing James Samuel, the director, comes from a kind of music background and has an amazing kind of modern soundtrack and really establishes him as a very visceral talent and a kind of one to watch. But he was up against some very interesting um 
competition as well. Rebecca Hall's first film, Passing, which is a beautiful black and white piece and kind of resonates with some of her own background as well, is really interesting. And Boiling Point, I would recommend your Love listeners that. I've seen that. To I check loved out. that. I thought it was yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Stephen Graham's performance is just exquisite. I mean, he's another national treasure for me and a really, you know, spans independent film, big Hollywood movies. He's been in Scorsese stuff, TV things. He was recently in Jack Thorne's um, TV special Care with Jodie Comer, which is a devastating look at the kind of care homes within the coronavirus pandemic. But Boiling Point is so visceral. It's a, it's a real one-shot film, unlike some of the one-shot films that have been hotly debated in the last few years. And it just gets you palpitating you know my university job was and and kind of high school job was working in kitchens and so I was kind of having very visceral sweaty reaction to the the stress of the of the kitchen but also the performances performances in that are great around around Stephen everyone is working at their absolute top of the game and super low budget kind of self-made the team just went out and did it and didn't wait and ask for permission it's really really great and I can't wait to see what they those guys do next so Anna you're Three tips, top tips for the Oscars. Good question. I think Summer of Soul, which won documentary at the BAFTAs, has a good chance. I think it's a really beautiful documentary is always, always you know this is a documentary maker charlotte is a very tough category there's always such a spread of extraordinary stories that are about deeply important things and we had a contender flea which was um really beautiful oh, the, danish the, the danish film the danish yeah, film yeah. yes but really beautifully done that I think has, I'm really excited to see carry on and kind of reach an audience because of its nominations. But the winner at the BAFTAs was made by Amir Questlove Thompson and celebrates, looks at the celebration uh, at the legendary Harlem Cultural Festival, which took place in 1969 across six weeks. It was just a hundred miles south of Woodstock, but doesn't have the sort of fame outside of the communities that it touched. And I think he's bringing, like all great documentary does, um, an untold story to a wider audience because it really celebrated African-American music, culture, fashion and promoted black culture and unity and it, it's so joyful and it's so important I think now when we try and think about ways that we can come together instead of separate into into camps around particular issues is really important I think it will be really interesting to see how Power of the Dog and Coda and King Richard fare the, and Belfast those big titles in the mix and top tips I think that Encanto will probably win best song I'm going to Put, go out on a limb um, oh. although there's controversy my seven-year-old does not believe they entered the correct song because it's not oh. his favorite from the film <laughs> well i think my seven-year-old's got a point well most people think it's we, we don't talk about bruno but we really like surface pressure is the favorite song yeah, from that is Encanto in our that house. Is easily the best it's very and it's also like peak Lin-Manuel Miranda in terms of the speed and the pace and the, the kind of real beautiful rhythm of that that song. So we'll see how it fares. But Encanto is a is a really great movie. So that's my top tip. And what about actress? Do we think Olivia Coleman's got a chance or Judy Dench, a supporting actress in Belfast? I think Judy Dench has a very good chance. It's a gorgeous understated performance by her. Yeah. Um, and I think Olivia in 
Lost Daughter. That's again a really gorgeous performance and a potentially kind of quite a challenging one because it, in inverted commas, people would consider it unsympathetic because she's not necessarily, you know, the story is that she, she's struggling with the challenge of, of motherhood and the, the beautiful kind of raw truth of that film is that not all women go, yay, being a mother is 365 mm. days a year, completely brilliant. <laughs> um, because it's, you know, the best and the hardest job in the world if you've ever done it. Um, and so it's, I think it's really interesting to see her range in that one so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see it I'll be watching it in the middle of the night like everybody else that doesn't get to go over here in the UK I have actually been to the Oscars not the Oscars of themselves. course you have <laughs> I went with a, a friend took me to uh, the Oscars in terms of we went to the Vanity Fair party and we ah. went to Madonna's party excellent well actually I've, 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 I've been bumped to the... into George Osborne of all people <laughs> <laughs> okay, impromptu party conference. Yeah. In, uh, what were two Tories doing at Madonna's party? E- excellent God's question, what? Charlotte. Yeah, what on earth? I might, and on, mind on whose dime? Quite. Whose dime was that trip on, Ed? Yes, well, mine was with a friend of mine who I work with uh, at a bank, and George was with Evgeny. Oh, oh okay. long time ago then. Yeah. Scoop. Um, I actually once, in fact, just before lockdown, I went to Elton John's viewing party. We did some work um, with him and helping raise awareness around the Elton John AIDS Foundation. So very kindly, the team invited us to come. And that was the year that he obviously won for original song. So it was very exciting to be in his viewing party with lots of his friends and, and the fund's supporters and charitable kind of well-wishers. And then he came came home to the party with his Oscar statue in hand and played on a piano. And there was a mad auction for all sorts of stuff that raised loads of money for his very important foundation. So I don't think I'm going to top that. I think I probably just need to retire on that as my my Oscar story so far. Oh, and your and your if you had to pick out one movie to get all our listeners to go and watch, what would it be? I think I would probably say one that we haven't talked about actually, the very very beautiful Ali and Ava, which is directed by Clio Barnard, and had a few nominations in Outstanding British and in a couple of the acting categories, and it is a really really gorgeous film. I think it's her third or fourth feature. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head about a kind of unexpected love story and. And it's just it's it's romantic. It's it's not straightforward. But Adil Adil Akhtar in particular, who plays Ali, is just wonderful. And Claire Rushbrook plays Ava. And it's a story of that will they won't they um, against some of the kind of community community and cultural odds around them. They've both got complicated histories and situations. And it's a very very beautiful um, film that I think deserves more attention. Well, thank you so much, Anna. That was absolutely My fantastic. Pleasure. And how exciting. And to all our listeners, if you've already, if you're listening to this after Sunday, you'll know who the Oscars are, but this does go out on a Sunday. So thank you very much for giving us all your tips. See you later, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye, Ed. Bye. Sadly, that's all we've got time for this week. But don't forget that the latest edition of Country and Townhouse is out now at selected newsstands and Waitrose, as well as online, of course, along with the 2022 edition of Great British Brands. We can be found at countryandtownhouse.co.uk, where you'll also find our sister podcast, House Guest, with all the latest news on interiors from Carol Annette. And just add forward slash newsletter to subscribe both to the weekly magazine newsletter and to the Great British Brands monthly. We love your feedback, so keep it coming to charlotte at 
countryandtownhouse.co.uk. Next week, we're going to the circus and we're going to be talking to the writer Clover Stroud, who's the sister of the late Nell Gifford, who founded the glorious and magical Gifford Circus that has attracted legions of devoted fans, myself included. We'll be talking to Clover about the circus, her sister's legacy and Clover's extraordinary moving memoir, The Red of My Blood, that she wrote in the year following her beloved sister's death. Do not miss it. Tune in next week. Goodbye. See you next week.